This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, a business of intercessory prayer for businesses. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have my great friend, Brian Christman. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John, for having me. So everybody here, a lot of you are very familiar with my story, my accident, my recovery. And, you know, we've done a lot on this this program with the Halftime Institute. And so here's a little bit of the rest of the story, huh, Brian? Yeah, I've and got one. I'll never forget, a, you know, a good friend of mine, Norton Rainey, um, said, you know what, there's this guy and he, he's starting the National Christian Foundation here in Colorado. And I was very familiar with NCF. I'd worked in that with them when I was at Bernstein and just an amazing group. All my Christian clients, I always tried to get them connected to NCF. And he goes, hey, you got to meet him. He's officing, you know, kind of in our space here with our friend Alex. And, and so you and I, we got together and I shared with you everything that was going on and my story and what God had done in my accident. And you pulled a book off the shelf and said, John, have you read this book? You have to read this book. And it's called Halftime Success to Significance. And the funny thing is, Brian, I actually had two copies of that book on my shelf at home and totally had forgotten about them and actually had never read it before. And it just reminds me of that whole concept, right? When the student's ready, the, the teacher appears. And I read that book and followed up with you. And you connected me with Jeff Spatafora. And man, the rest has just been an incredible part of the journey. But, you know, that was that one interaction, that moment, that friendship that's developed out of that one meeting with you and I, Brian, that has had a dramatic change in my life and, you know, has led me into this, you know, this path of everything that I'm doing. So, you know, thank you, my friend, for just you know, being that friend who was there to serve me when I I needed somebody to help me out, man, and I truly appreciate it. Wow, wow, John, that makes me kind of tear up because um, when I hear that story, it encourages me that you know God is using each and every one of us. He's creating a tapestry, and uh, often we we don't even know how how God is using us. And for me, just to be able to. You know, first off, when I met you and I heard your story of a miraculous healing, a miraculous comeback, by all accounts, you shouldn't be here today. God clearly has a purpose for your life. And that I could just simply hand you a book, give you a word of encouragement, um, make a quick introduction, and to see where you're at today, uh, that just, it makes me cry. Uh, I am, I'm honored to be your friend and uh, to be used that way. And I think God's doing that daily. We often miss those opportunities. We also often uh, aren't aren't seeing that because we're so close to the tapestry that we just see that little one stitch. But it's really a beautiful picture. Well, and yeah, you know, uh, thank you for saying that. And I think, you know, God, I believe, answers prayer, you know, through other people around us, right? And I'd been praying and praying for clarity on what those next steps were. And, you know, and then God intersected us. And I think, yes. you know what, if all of us can just kind of tune into, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's part of my prayer every day, uh, Brian, is, you know what, Lord, just please show me if there's somebody you need me to talk to or encourage or connect with or do something for 
that's, you know, anything, you know, so I'm just constantly listening for that little voice, that little nudge. And yeah. it's amazing how we can, you know, be used uh, by God to answer prayer for somebody else in just sometimes really powerful and meaningful ways like happen with us. Amen. Yes, I agree. So everybody out there, just a little bit about Brian. I mean, Brian is is just one of those amazing entrepreneurs, right? That you're one of those guys you just keep moving forward. Um, I know, like for this long, like 26 year period, you were just the serial entrepreneur. You were starting companies in the life insurance space. And we're going to talk about this a little bit, but you kind of got to that place. I know that our friend Jeff, you know, describes as smoldering discontent. You had read halftime and went through it. And you just had this passion about philanthropy and being, you know, giving generously. And how do we really use, you know, our resources, our time, our money, our influence to do good works in the kingdom? And I know that's that's moved you into, you know, exactly what you're doing right now. Um, and I'd love to, for you to kind of take us back, though, you know, as you went through that, you know, what are some of those, you know, highlights, those highs and lows of, of that journey that led you to that point where you say, OK, I need to be doing something different? Wow. John, I love sharing that story. And it's uh, interesting that today, how many times I get to share my halftime stories, because often some of the business owners that I'm talking to, they're about to go through a liquidity event. And they're asking many of the same questions that you and I and many, many uh, hundreds and thousands of people across the country uh, are asking and, and, and receiving help and guidance through uh, Halftime Institute. And I am proud uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm the, the number one fan because of how uh, Jeff and the Halftime Institute really uh, affected my life at a time when I really need to hear this message. Because mm. when I read it at age 38, I had just moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Evergreen, Colorado, and it started a, um, uh, an insurance marketing organization. And um, I just had this feeling I could not accurately define it. Um, it was an unsettledness is the best word that I could use. And, um, I would try to share with my small group. I try to share with my friends and they would ask questions like, well, how's your marriage? I'm like, it's great. How's your family? I, you know, I have three wonderful kids at that time. Guys, they were probably two, five and eight. I'm like, they're wonderful. And well, how's your business? Couldn't be better. You know, we're launching a new, op uh, a new business and, uh, things are going well. I'm excited. I have great partners, but I'm just not happy. And it wasn't until I read Bob Buford's book, Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance, that I could accurately explain this is what I'm talking about. You know, Bob in his book talks about that what the world refers to as a midlife crisis is no crisis. It's not a crisis at all. It's that realization that what you thought would bring happiness doesn't. And that's because that's how God has created each and every one of us. Uh, he's ne he never created us for us to find our, our identity, um, our strength, our value in what we do, or, um, or really you know, who we are with our family. Uh, he's created us, we're children of God. Uh, he's our Father. And he has a wonderful plan for us. And it may not be the plan that you think it is. And so I was just encouraged to hear and read that there were other people just like me that um, 
for those who have gone through it, those who have read uh, the book, you know, I refer to as half timers. And that's what started my my journey. I, I thought I'd found the answer, but it was really just the beginning of a 11 year journey. You know, the book Halftime is really an analogy to a football game. And halftime is a season where we contemplate how is it that we lived or played our first half of our life and how that has that shaped us? How's it prepared us to play or live the second half of our life? And, you know, normally halftime is a pretty short period, but I was actually in that period or that season for over 11 years. And I used to joke with Jeff, it's because of his coaching. And he would joke back that, no, it's because you're a <laughs> slow learner. And um, uh, it probably was uh, it definitely the latter. I'm a slow learner. And I, I realize today, now that I'm uh, fully engaged in my second half, uh, and loving life, loving what I'm doing, loving serving, uh, you know, the most generous families here in Colorado um, uh, and successful business owners to live extravagant uh, lives of generosity and work with advisors and just simply encourage them uh, to use that, that, that platform that God's given them as their mission field and to encourage their clients in the area of generosity. Uh, this afternoon, I have an opportunity to meet with the local ministries uh, and their board of directors uh, to talk about asset-based giving and really encourage that board that God has called them to serve in that ministry. And here's how you can do it. You can be that uh you know, uh, advocate or that bird dog. And when opportunities to talk about, uh, generosity with their, with their friends and, uh, their, their network, here's how you do it. And here's how the national Christian foundation can, can come alongside them and, and serve them and, and, and help them with the tools and the resources to really increase the generosity of this particular ministry's donors. And now that I'm on this side and I look back, mm-hmm. I realize I really wasn't a slow learner. God needed 11 years to prepare me for this season uh, in many, many ways. Um, I think one of the main ways is that I needed time to get my house in order. That is my financial house. I needed to pay off my house. I needed to get debt free. One of the ministries that I really looked into strongly Flying out to Atlanta was an organization called Crown Financial Ministries. Oh, sure. How, what a wonderful organization. Howard Dayton and his team just, you know, he talks about uh, in, that, in that ministry the 2,350 verses uh, that, Jesus, that, that the Word talks about money and finances and stewardship. You know, Jesus talks more about finances and money than he does in prayer. And I just that 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 study, uh, Howard has since left Crown and started a very similar organization called Compass. And if people aren't familiar with that, I would strongly encourage them to check that out. I'm sure they can easily search that on Google. But hey, Brian, when you when when you go back, when you first read that, uh what Bob wrote about that midlife crisis, what what what. You know, help other people out, because I think there's probably a lot of people listening that can relate to that feeling of maybe being unsettled or discontent or maybe not feeling like they're 
you know, they're really doing what they were called to do. And, you know, as you started to have that awareness, what, what did you do to think through that? Well, initially, you know, I, I read the book. I had a friend, uh, my pastor was Pat Hoban who knew Bob personally and said, Hey, I'm going out to, um, I think it was Tyler, Tyler, Texas. What is the name of it? Um, basically a retreat for some men at a church in Dallas. So let's go meet Bob. Let's, let's learn more about this halftime. So, uh, halftime Institute has really evolved over the last 16 or 17 years, but, um, I just flew out. I said, I got to learn more about this. I need to talk to someone. And, um, as I mentioned, I, I was encouraged, but I knew I needed I needed to learn a lot. Um, it was it's just like anything in life. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't understand. And so I just jumped in. I, I went and met met the man. Um, and so for me, that's what I did. And just I ended up reading. Uh, Bob's got several books. I think the second one he wrote on the topic of halftime is called Game Plan. He had a third book that he actually gave me at this event I attended called Stuck in Halftime. Gave me a signed order. I mean, an autograph. He wrote that topic. for you, Brian. I, well, you know what? I felt <laughs> I did at that time because I, I felt stuck. I've only I didn't I never finished that particular book. I, I actually wrote about half of it, and I said, "No, I refuse. I'm not stuck. I'm gonna." Uh, and of course, about that time, I met my my brother, our brother Jeff Spatafora, and got a personal coach. It's probably the best money uh, I ever in, invested. I told Jeff after meeting him at a party, if he could help me cross over from halftime to my second half, there's no amount of money uh, that I could pay him um, that wouldn't be worth that to me. Well, I hope he took you up on that. Ah, uh, he did. But after that, being <laughs> such good friends, he said. Because I feel guilty charging you. I'm not because at that point we're just our our families are very very close. Yeah, they are just been a huge blessing. So you know, so now as you stepped into this, right? You started getting the coaching. You started, you, you know, you say it took you 11 years to get ready. And I, you know, honestly, I think for some people that is encouraging to hear that this isn't just a process you go through in a couple months and say, okay, I got it all figured out. Right. This is this is, you know, there's there there's sometimes it takes some time, doesn't it? It does, John. And, you know, one of the things now that I've been in my second half for almost five years, I've actually met people who have, you know, for lack of better terms, a second half, you know, they a second half second half or a, a fourth quarter, maybe we, we should call it a third and a fourth quarter, uh, where they, they started an organization or went to work for an organization. It prepared them. You know, they made adjustments in their lifestyle. But then after a few years, they realized, no, that wasn't it. And they went through another. They went back to halftime. They got a little bit more coaching, found another opportunity. I actually know a, a good friend that's on his third, uh, working for his third organization. Um and so it's no different, you know, being in your second half or serving in full-time ministry as it is serving in full-time business. I can honestly tell people today that ministry is simply between your ears. You are just as effect- you can be just as effective and used by the Lord remaining exactly where you're at in business and looking at that uh, the company that you've started or uh, the department that you run and look at that as your mission field, get some training uh, and and start living large for Jesus right where you're at. Um, 
I think I always knew that, but I understand that better. And that's some of the, you know, that's some of the same advice uh, Halftime Institute will give you. You don't, you don't have to cross into full-time quote ministry. We're all in ministry. And I really have a greater appreciation of that. Uh, I think for me, I needed to be in full-time ministry. I love the lifestyle. I love um, the people that I get to interact with at National Christian Foundation. I love our middle name. Uh, that'll never change because I can immediately go deep um, at the National Christian Foundation and the givers that we serve. Because, you know, although we're willing to serve anyone of any faith, um, uh, or no faith, you know, when you call yourself National Christian Foundation, you're kind of self-selecting. And so most of the people, yeah, most of the people that, you know, reach out to us are very, uh, we already share that biblical worldview, and I can just immediately have that uh, connection in Jesus, and we can pray, and we can, you know, I feel like after an hour, I've known them for, for years. And so I love that. For me, that's important. That's not as easy when you work for a, you know, a secular organization or you're in business, but you can do it. You can learn how to do it. You can get coaching on how to do that. I think that's, I think that you can do that, you know, help people do that. Um, But it's the same secular business, for-profit, non-profit. It's all the same. It's really between our ears. Now, when you talk about ministry, Brian, what, how do you define ministry for people out there listening? Mm. Well, that's that's. I need to think about that for a minute. Um, you know, for maybe for me, it's living out your calling, and I feel, you know, for me, uh, I am called to share my faith. I am called to use my gifts and strengths that are from the Lord to be a blessing and a servant leader to others. Um, I need to talk more, not less, about what Jesus has done for me. Um, I need to spend more time talking about generosity and the fact that everything in the heavens and the earth um, belongs to the Lord. Every cow on every hill, all the gold, all the silver, everything belongs to the Lord. We're just his stewards and we will be held accountable. I think I'm in this space because that's a personal struggle to me. I, I wrestle with materialism and, you know, ironically at a time in my life where I hang out with some of the most, you know, affluent, generous Christians who are doing awesome things. I still covet, you know, I'm, I'm driving around and Honda Accord is getting a little bit older, and I just constantly, like, ooh, that's a nice car. Ooh, that's a nice car. Suzanne and I are thinking about moving uh, as we enter an empty, our season of empty nest. And, and I'm like, oh, I, I want a little bit, I want a smaller but nicer home. And I'm like, I, well, I've cashed in all my chips. I can't do that. I can't expend any more money than what we're currently doing. So I constantly wrestle with this, and therefore I think God uses you know, this generosity movement that I'm a part of to continue to soften and change my own heart. And I need to talk about that. I need to encourage others uh, in this area of generosity. So for ministry, for me, that's what it's about. I think everyone has a slightly different story, but I think it's living large for Jesus. 
Well, I love that, and and I I also I love the I, the concept, the idea of being you know a generous giver, a joyful giver, mm-hmm. right? Because I think on the other side of that is you know an obligated giver, which where uh, it's where a lot of people I think give from you know from that place, right? Because I'm kind of obligated. I don't quite give ten percent. I'm giving what I you know what I think I can, and I kind of have to when the plate comes by, mm-hmm. and. Can you talk about what it really does for you, your relationship with the Lord, you know, in that whole ministry context, when you when you make that shift to being that joyful, that generous giver? Mm, absolutely. You know, John, we are all on a journey of generosity. Mm, and it really I like does the sound of that. Yeah. Well, that's I've coined or that, that phrase was coined by. Uh, our partner ministry, Generous Giving, just a phenomenal organization that, um, you know, their mission is to simply encourage generosity for generosity's sake. Where the National Christian Foundation, our mission is to facilitate generosity for generosity's sake. Uh, and rarely do we have an opportunity. It's not really our calling, our mission to teach on how much to give. Uh, if we did, it would go something like this. Hey, everything's God. A better question would be, how much of God's resources should we be spending on ourselves mm. versus and releasing into His service and His kingdom? And I can't really answer that for anyone because that's a tougher question, um, and I wrestle with it myself. So, you know, that giving is an act of worship, and my encouragement to listeners and to the families that we have the privilege of serving is that go before the Father, pray, Lord, what do you want me to do with all that you've entrusted to me? And we like to refer to people that, you know, that that are wrestling with, should we tithe on the uh, on our net, or should we tithe on our giving, as uh, t- uh, tickle tithers, you know, and as a general rule at the National Christian Foundation, we're serving families that have already answered that particular question. I know for me, when I was in my early stages of my journey of generosity, I met a, um, uh, a professor at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and when I asked him that question of tithing on net or gross, he yeah, said, people well, have that question quite a bit. Well, he said, Brian, would you do you want to be blessed on your net or your growth? Growth. <laughs> I'm like, mm. well, that's a good question. And you know, even for me in my own journey, you know, we started out when I first got saved, throwing twenty dollars in the offering plate. I literally equated it to the price of a movie. I'm like, I've been here an hour. That was about what I'd spend on a movie. Great entertainment. And that's where I started. There's no popcorn. Journey. No popcorn. That's exactly right. Twenty should cover whatever the, whatever this place's, you know, the church's expenses are. I had no clue. I didn't. I didn't know. No one had ever taught me about, you know, any of these concepts. But later, as I grew in my faith and started, you know, I read um, mentioned earlier Howard Dayton's book, uh, Your Money Counts, and I, uh, you know, I learned about this concept of tithing. I tried it, and I'm like, all I know is this: the more I give to the Lord the more the Lord blesses me. And that is not a prosperity teaching. It's just biblical teaching. And um, you can't outgive God. And so when I started tithing on my net, and then I switched to tithing on my gross, all I know is that I made more money. My business, 
I, I grew in my career. Um, and we were able to do more things. And at, an, at another season, it was probably, I don't recall, but it was probably a few years had passed. Uh, I asked a question, should I be using my tithe, what I'm sending to the church? Should I give it to, you know, parachurch ministries? Can I give part of that to parachurch or should I give it to just the church? And I had a friend, an elder in the church. He says, Brian, for me, I like to give 10% to the church. And then I like to give another 5% to parachurch ministries like missions and you know, young life or compassion. I'm like, whoa, man, that's a lot of money. You're talking 15%. And that took me a while. I'm like, well, I can't do that, but let's do 12. Let's see how that works out. Well, John, guess what happened? I started giving 12. I made more money. Hey, Brian, did that take you a while because it was a matter of rearranging your finances or was it your attitude toward giving that held you back? All of it. I've been on this journey for 30 years. Suzanne and I are um, celebrating our 30th anniversary, and I accepted Christ shortly after we got married. So it's easy for me to to remember how long it's been. Um, and it's all of those things. It's God changing my heart. And remember, God owns everything. He doesn't need our money. He invites us in to invest in the things that he has given us passion for. Uh, he doesn't care uh, if we give 1%, 5%, 10%, 100% of our income. Upside down tithers. I know people who give away 90% of their income and live on 10. I can't put my head around that. I'm not there yet. Uh, but God loves you no more, no less. He loves you exactly the way you are. Um and so we just have to constantly ask that question, God, how much of what you're giving me should I be spending on myself? How much do, how much and where do you want me to direct the others? It's an act of worship. So, you know, when you're working with people, what, what, what allows that transformation from being an obligated giver, Brian, to being a, you know, a joyful or a generous giver? It's all in the heart. You know, we're big at the National Christian Foundation and sharing stories. It's all about stories. Generous Giving has a, uh, a 24-hour retreat that I have the privilege of facilitating multiple times throughout the year called a jog or a journey of generosity event. And there is no teaching in this uh 24-hour event. It's simply sharing stories from generous givers uh, and then um, and then discussing them. You know, what is it that you're what is it that you heard in that message? How did that impact your life? Um, you know, some stories are encouraging. You're like, wow, I've got that nailed. And the others are really challenging. It's like when you hear stories of you know, when you hear the testimony of Bill and Vonette Bright, founders of Campus Crusade for Christ, and the fact that they never owned a house, that Bill and Vonette, at the time of, uh, when they were ready to retire, they learned that they had a retirement program at Campus Crusade, and they gave it away to form a, a, a campus ministry in Moscow, I think it was, somewhere in Russia. And that's just how he lived his whole life. You were just like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm humbled. Who does that? That's crazy. Who gives away their retirement? And for some people hearing this message, they're like, that, 
That's stupid. You know, we're called to be good financial stewards. We're called to provide and save and for our family. And absolutely, we are. But, you know, that's, Yvonne, that I think shares in that story. You know, that's, this is the way we chose to live our life, she says. God didn't call everybody to live like us. But I tell you what, when you hear their story, what God has done through that, through Campus Crusade, through their life, uh, we should all, we should all desire to live that way. And uh, they weren't poor. They, they lived in um, uh, Bel Air, California. They had a house. They, God provided everything that they need. And, and we can trust Him with everything. If we can trust Him with our salvation and eternity, we can certainly trust him with whatever paycheck he gives us this month. But that's a, that's just a it's, it's a it's a growing process. People who aren't there, they shouldn't worry about it. They definitely don't feel guilty. That's from Satan. That's not of the Lord. And so and, you know, if you're married, you know, you're doing the right thing when you and your wife are in enthusiastic agreement about it. And if you're not, it's common one spouse being more maybe have more of the spiritual gift of generosity. And it is a spiritual gift, just like the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry if you have more of the gift than your spouse. Just pray for your spouse because they will come along. They, they will grow in their journey and you'll, it, you'll be united. Just do what you feel called and confirmed uh, to do and live in peace in that. Well, you know, I think for... Uh, for Donna and I, Brian, as we, you know, as we came out of everything that's happened in the last five years, we had extremely limited resources. Sure. Um, right. And, but starting to tithe from a place of just total gratitude, because we just saw how faithful God was, not just in my own personal healing, but yeah. in our finances, in creating new relationships and creating opportunities. I mean, my business today is at a place I would have never, that I never dreamed of three years ago when we got started. Mm. And I think, you know, as you move into that, really answering those big questions, right? Who's God? Who am I? What does he have planned for me? And moving to that place of a relationship where you have so much trust, so much trust that you don't even need clarity on what that next step is to be able to move forward, even move forward rapidly. Yes. And so when you, when Don and I really, I think as our relationship matured and we know that, you know what, when we tithe, we just trust God. This is his money. We're stewarding it. We give it to him. And when we have needs that are going to come up for our family, for our retirement, for what, wherever else it needs to be, we're, we're just trusting God. Because I think, you know, what held me back from giving in the past, why I was definitely an obligated giver in the past, was this whole notion of, you know, am I going to have enough? Can I make enough money in business or with my paycheck or whatever I was doing at the time? Uh, to do the things that we want to do. So when I, when it was all about, you know, I, 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 my, can I get this done? Then it was hard for me to give because I didn't know if I could do it. Yes. Right? I, yep. <laughs> but when you're operating from that different place, and I know it's where you're coming from, where, man, you know what? And I'll guarantee, and I can tell just when you share it, that's where uh, Bill Bright came from. 
Yes. When you're walking just that place of trust and you know that you know that God is going to be faithful, you know, giving at that level of 10% or even greater, like some of the stories you, you told, is something that, man, you're excited about because you get to do things right? We talked about early on in this, in this, in this interview, right? God answers prayers through other people. Yes. It's, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, we gave anonymously to, we, we heard about a, a, a mission trip and they, they, they were over in Asia. They've been doing incredible work and, um, they're, they had a donor pull out and they were kind of, they were stuck over there. They were trying to pay for their travel back home. And we were able to reach out to some few friends, a few people here, probably listening on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, and said, here's how much we have to raise to bring this whole mission team back, o- back over. And we were able to raise that, and we gave that to them anonymously. And how, how cool was that? Because you know what? This was actually a group of high school kids, and they were stuck. And God used this, because I, I know the guy who arranged it, because we, we talked later Man, this was powerful for these young women that were all, it was all women. They were working with these, you know, trafficked and abused women in like Indonesia area. What, uh, what a witness that God used through just somebody willing to give to some women over there about how that answered prayer. And I got to tell you, I was like, man, that, okay, I want to do more of that, God. <laughs> Let me use know. me. Yeah, use me, man. If, if my money can just be that blessing, that proof that you're there, that you're proof that you're, you're listening to somebody else, wow, what a privilege. I just felt totally humbled and honored just even being part of that story. Uh, Suzanne and I have had multiple, multiple stories of that over the last five years. And it's one of the things I like best about our giving fund with the National Christian Foundation, because when I put, or what we refer to as our charitable checking account or charitable savings account, once I put money in that giving fund, it's no longer mine. You know, I've already got my tax deduction. It's God's. And, but whenever I hear stories like you just shared, I can just say, God, is that what you want me to do with your money? Mm -hmm. I mean, although, although everything's his, when I put it in that account, I've demonstrated it's yours, Lord, and I can just act. And it's so much more joyful to give out of that account than, you know, it is when my own checking account where I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to do this with that or I thought I was going to, you know, take care of this expense or buy this little toy or whatever. But when it's in my giving fund, I can just give. I'm free to give. Um, and so that is a great story. I, I, Suzanne and I love doing the exact same thing. Well, and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what NCF is, but let, folks, let me tell you how, what we do. We, you know, we met with Brian and, and, you know, our, our income was, you know, it's slowly building. We're back to where we have what I call more money than month with, which is a nice place to be. We're not having breakfast for dinner the last week of the month anymore. Uh, but even a long time ago, we said, okay, we're going to set aside 10%. But what we did is now 10% right off the top of everything we make goes straight into our giving fund. And out of our giving fund, we have a recurring payment that goes to the church. And then we have a little bit extra that builds up and we use that for you know certain gifts like this. And the cool thing is I just log in. You guys make sure it's a certified you know, charity, and if it's not, you'll do the research to make sure these guys are above board because you, you know, hear about different things that are out there. And is, what is kind of cool, though, is you can check that, hey, I want this to be an anonymous gift, right? You can pull some money together with some people, send an anonymous gift, 
And also, one of the things I love about you guys, it's not just about putting in cash from a paycheck. Some of the most yeah. powerful giving that we can do, especially if you're a business owner, guys, is things that are not marketable, right? You know, physical assets, real estate, privately held shares of your company, uh, shares that kick off a dividend, uh, shares that are going to appreciate over time. So actually, some of the most powerful ways to give to the kingdom are not available. Actually, one of the most least efficient ways for you guys to give is to actually give out of your checkbook. Wouldn't you agree, Brian? I definitely agree. And, you know, although we're known as the largest Christian donor advice fund in the country, the National Christian Foundation for those who are familiar with us, we're the, we're the largest Christian granting organization in the world. We qualify as the ninth largest charity in the U.S. But that's those are those are all true statements, but it's not what we do. It's that latter part that you were talking about. We encourage our givers to use their assets, whether that's in the form of appreciated stock. When I'm talking to a business whole owner. The, the first question I ask, have you ever thought about using your business as an engine that funds the kingdom? Sometimes I ask that question, I get a little glazed look on their eye and they're like, no, I've never really thought about that. And then I just kind of move on uh, to another question or, you know, we'll order lunch. But sometimes I ask that question of a business owner, have you ever thought about using your business as an engine that funds the kingdom? They pause, they look at you, and say, Brian, I think about it all the time. Mm. I, I can. There's no other explanation, they'll say, that we have enjoyed this level of success. I feel like I'm using my business to the best of my ability, but how can I do a better job? And so one simple way is that people can actually, or business owners can actually donate interest in their privately held C-Corp, S-Corp, for me, I was able to donate uh, interest in my LLC and in a life insurance business, a C-Corp, a but it was privately held into my donor advised fund. And when I did that in 2012, I enjoyed a huge tax deduction based on the fair market value. And as those assets, whether it be my distributions from my LLC or the dividends from my uh, the, this life insurance company that we helped start, those went directly to my giving fund. It never showed up on my balance sheet. And it, what it did, it, it lowered our tax obligation so that I had more money to give to the kingdom. And it simplified my giving. So that's what we really do at NCF. But we're known for how we simplify giving through the use of a donor advice fund or your charitable checking account. So, Brian, if people are interested in, in just learning more about NCF, what a donor advised fund is, how they could use this, you know, for, you know, regular giving coming out of cash flow or some of the, you know, the things that are definitely going to leverage some more. Where, where can they go to find out more information? How they get uh, in touch so, with you or what you do? Oh, it's so simple. And the great thing about the National Christian Foundation is we have 29 offices across the, the country. And uh, so it doesn't matter where you're listening from. Just go to ncfgiving.com. Click on the office closest to you. You're going to hear there's only one NCF. Everyone that works for NCF is just phenomenal. Um, reach out. Say, hey, I'd like to buy I'd like to get together for coffee and learn more. We have a ton of resources on our website, uh, videos, stories, concept sheets. Uh, email me at bchrisman.com 
at ncfgiving.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have, but just engage, get involved uh, in this generosity movement that we have the privilege of being a part of. We're, we're working with other organizations across the country that we can also connect you with. Um, just go to our website. That's the easiest thing. So do that. And also, hey, I'd really encourage you guys, go to the show notes for this episode. Um, just search NCF or Brian, it's B-R-Y-A-N, Chrisman. And I would love for you to post a story in the comments below this post about anything that you've done to encourage others, a generous giving story, an impact that it made, an answer to prayer. So please, you know, let's be a community that encourages each other to give. Let's use tools like NCF and just the incredible resources and people like Brian to be part of being these joyful, generous givers that are building the kingdom, that are building our relationships. And Brian, thank you so much for who you are, brother, what you do, the friend you've been in my life, and everybody out there, trust me, you want to get to know Brian. So if, if what we talked about resonated with you, um, get in touch with NCF, get in touch with Brian. I cannot encourage you enough to do that. And he's one of the real, just real guys you just want to have in your life. And yeah, thank you for what you're doing, my friend. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, and it's uh, wonderful to, to be with you this morning. All right, buddy. Love you, man. Love you too, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. Just earlier this year, Vicki told me while she was praying, she heard from me to water the seeds. I knew exactly what it meant and got some business out of it. Another time she was praying and accurately described one of our dogs who turned out needed medical attention. John and I can't recommend the team at Marketplace Rock highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us, episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.